Well, good morning. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. Um, grateful to be here this morning with you and looking forward to, to uh, being in the Word. So Linda's my wife, and when she was up in the middle of the night needing Jesus, guess what I was doing? <laughs> Letting her need Jesus for both of us. Apparently, I didn't, didn't know any of that was going on. <laughs> We're in this uh, sermon series called Journeys to God Knows Where. Don't you love the title? Don't you love the graphic, by the way? I love the graphic. Journeys to God Knows Where. Because this thing that we're doing here, this life is a life with Jesus, and it's a life for Jesus, and it's a life in this world with the spiritual realm happening, and at the same time the physical realm is happening, and it's on its way toward the kingdom of God coming in its fullest. It's on its way toward eternity in heaven. It's a journey that's going somewhere quickly. But it's going God knows where. We don't know what God's up to. We don't know all that God's sovereignty has got in mind for us. And so we get on this journey, this adventure, and we're figuring it out as we go. Man, it's radical. I told you a couple weeks ago, I shared that I was going to maybe come talk a little bit about our trip to Indonesia, and I don't know that I'm going to get to do that. So take me to coffee and uh, Linda and I to dinner, and we'll talk more about Indonesia. <laughs> See how I worked that out? We date on Wednesday night, so just call us. Uh, we went to Indonesia. It was a journey for us. It was a journey, literally was a journey to God's knows where, because uh, I had to brush up on my geography while we were on this trip. Because I didn't know exactly where we were going and exactly where the missionaries that we were going to go be with were serving. And we didn't even know really what group it was that we were going to be a part of. I mean, we knew that Nathan and Harmony Jansen, who our church supports, Nathan was a high school kid in this church at one time. His dad, Jim, was on our pastoral team at one time. And we support them in uh, Papua, Indonesia, which is half of the New Guinea Island. It used to be Papua New... Uh, Irian Jaya used to be called. Irian Jaya. Now it's Papua, Indonesia. So I knew where they served, and I knew the kind of thing Nathan was doing, because he and I have kept in contact, but I didn't know exactly what he was inviting me to come do. He said, come meet with my team in our forum, and Linda can lead worship, and you can speak, and so we did, and that's where we went. But I didn't even know. We weren't going exactly where they served. We were going to another Indonesian island. I didn't know which islands were Indonesian and which weren't. You might have seen my Facebook post where I said, here's Nathan. They serve in Papua, Indonesia. Do you know where that is? Because not all of us did, and it was literally a trip to God knows where. Like, I was on the airplane in the Sky Magazine, you know, looking at the routes. Do you ever do that? And I'm going, where is this? And man, we got there, and it was one unknown thing after another, including what was on the menu and what was going to be served in front of me and what we were going to face. And we ended up sitting with this group of missionaries all serving in Papua around a, a, a really like a condo complex in the living room. And as I realized who they were and what they were about, all that I had planned, of course, went out the window, and I had to start over again for what, God, what do you have for these folks through Linda and I? And anything I did didn't matter because Linda had led them in worship already. And Jesus was present, so we were all good. It's just this fun journey that God knows where. But here's, the, here's how, and I, I just say all that to say it was a blessing. Thank you for sending us. Thanks for letting us go do that. Um, we loved on them. They felt encouraged that Marin Covenant knows them and sees them. Was on their turf with them a little bit. And we can tell you more about all that God taught us individually. But one of the things that I experienced in this this journey that we went there is, you know, my journey was a little bit different than their journey. I mean, our journey to Indonesia was, 
you know, laughing about how we didn't know how much we were paying for our mocha at Starbucks in the airport in Taipei on our layover on the way over, right? You know what I mean? And then we got there and we were like, we, you know, well, this is fun. And we took a couple days vacation and, you know, we're on the beach and in Indonesia and that's a different kind. And we were like, this is fun. And they're figuring it all out. That's a different kind of journey as we discovered than those that we got in there and sat in this room with this woman who had been 39 years in one tribe in the jungle, in the interior, in, Indi- in Irianjaya, and now Papa Indonesia, showed up one day, first white face the people had ever seen, learned their language from scratch, translated the Bible, starting with the book of John, John 1, 1, let me see how to do that, shared the word, led people to Christ, developed leaders, built a church, I mean, 39 years, come on now. And I was like, I wonder if I can get a cheeseburger in Indonesia. (laughs) Our journey to Indonesia was what it was, I'm not condemning that. But it was different than their journey in Indonesia. Do you know what I'm saying now? Their journey in Indonesia was radical and filled with obstacles and sacrifice and spiritual adversaries. It's crazy to hear their stories. This morning, if you hear nothing else, I want you to see my title. It's about spiritually thick skin. Part one. We're going to do it two weeks. We're going to be in this text in Matthew, which is the temptation of Jesus. Because here's what I want you to hear. On this journey to God knows where, as you've already sort of heard a few times from Art and from Ben, this is not just a trip to Starbucks in another country. This is a radical, high-stakes, dangerous journey that we're on. When we did the series, and we go, that's an awesome graphic, Sarah. Thanks for putting that together. It's going to be fun because it's like road trips, and that's what the journey's about. No, friends, it's not. It's a radical adventure full of spiritual attack and temptation. And I'm sort of realizing how serious this series is getting. Can we be serious together this summer in this series? And I've been moved by the last few sermons of arts and of Ben's, and, um, and this has been sticking with me. This idea, we need spiritually thick skin because on this journey, everywhere we go, we're always going to have major and minor spiritual attack and temptation. We're always going to have major and minor, big and little, spiritual attack and temptation everywhere. Friends, we are at war. That's what our scripture teaches us. Do you remember that? In fact, I so sort of take that for granted and don't think about it that I didn't even put the scripture up here that I thought, well, I've got to read you the scripture that just sort of defines that whole reality and remind us once again, if we've been in the Word of God, we know that. Listen to Ephesians 6. It's good that it's not on the screen because look at, you can look at me right here and you can listen to this. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says to the Ephesian church, listen, finally, he says at the end of all his teaching, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's no mincing words here. I'm going to come back to finish that text in just a minute. There's no mincing words here. There's no wondering about what do you think this journey is going to maybe be like. This isn't about a fun family road trip in the station wagon full of camp songs. It's a little more dramatic than that. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle 
lest you forget, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after everything you have done, just to stand. Stand firm then. And he goes through the armor of God. Stand firm with these things, including this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Good news. Are you encouraged and warmed today? (laughs) This journey will always include major and minor spiritual attack and temptation. And Jesus is our example, and that's the text for the the sermon for the next two weeks. And I want you to look at Matthew if you have it, because you've got other notes and cross-references. It'll also be up on the screen. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 4. You notice we've been trying to stay in in, um, Matthew quite a bit, a couple of different books, so you see at least some of these messages over and over again in some of the same context. Matthew chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus. Starting in verse 1, here's the word of the Lord. Then Jesus, by the way, tons of scripture today. Can we do that too? Because we're going to, and I've noticed we've been doing that. It's been heavy on Scripture. Lots and lots of the Word. Have you noticed that? feels that way, doesn't it? Because this is where the journey is parsed for us, explained. This is where, the, this is where the, it gives context and we understand, oh wait, what's happening here? The journey is understood through the things that God has revealed in His Word. Matthew chapter 4, temptation of Jesus. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will, concern his an- he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. That's the word of the Lord. My friends, the journey will always include a major and minor spiritual temptation and spiritual attack. Here's what I want to do this week. I want to look at what's really going on here. What's the spiritual warfare temptation attack thing all about? And next week, I want to talk about how to fight it. That's what we're going to do for the next two weeks. And in this week, I just wanted to introduce it by this question and this, this phrase that comes to mind when I read this text on Monday afternoon. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's how the text starts. Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Does that not shock you just a little bit? I mean, we got to start to parse that and go, well, what does that mean then that Jesus was led by the Spirit into a time of temptation? 
He was led into a time of vulnerability. He was led into a time of, of, of uh, temptation by the devil himself, and God led Jesus to it. So here's the first thing, implication about what's this thing all about. Apparently, God's okay with the idea that we're going to have spiritual attack and spiritual temptation. Apparently, God is okay with that. And I know that's a little tongue-in-cheek. Okay, okay. But in his sovereignness, I mean, he could, sovereign, sovereignty, so sovereignism, he could keep us from being spiritually attacked. In fact, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, we're taught to pray, lead us not into temptation. So Jesus is saying, it's, it ain't going to be easy, so go ahead and make that your prayer. You know, I don't want you to be in temptation where you're going to fail, temptation where you shouldn't be tempted. You know. But apparently, in this text, if you look at verse 1 and 2 again, Jesus was led by the Spirit. God said, my son, I want you to go. And I'm going to have you go where? Into the wilderness, into the desert. And I'm going to have you there. I'm going to have you tempted for a time of temptation by the devil himself. That is like a father saying, why don't you play with this cobra that was in that text that Art preached on? Why don't you, here, why don't you play with this poisonous snake? It's, a, it's dramatic in, in its presentation. But God was okay with us being in this spiritual battle on this journey, apparently. He also, in the text, says, in that second verse, says, and Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And so, in the genius of the description, he was you think? Anybody got blood sugar issues in here? Anybody miss a meal, get a little crabby, hard to be married to someone like that? No, seriously, I was not looking at you. Why do you respond like that? She gives me this. Jesus, God led him to this spiritual place where he was completely vulnerable and then took him to a physical place, this wilderness, this desert, where he was even more vulnerable and then let Satan tempt him and attack him. What is that about? Maybe some of you are saying, all I need to know and hear this morning is that I'm not alone and what it feels like has happened to me. At the end of my rope, in circumstances I can't figure out how to make work, it feels like the devil's got free reign on me. What the heck? Well, that's what's going on here. Apparently it's okay with God, this idea of being in a time of temptation. And he's always been okay, friends, for that. He's always allowed his saints to have spiritual attack. If you look at this verse from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is Israel's story. Look at Israel's story. Moses is telling them, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. Does that sound familiar? 
and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, uh, on your f- and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Do you see the, the, the parallel? In fact, this parallel, Jesus created this parallel so that when we all read the account of it, we would know that's just like Israel in the desert. They were hungry and at a place of need and in the wilderness and wondered how God could set them out there with such risk, with no chance of being rescued and at great distress. And God said, I did that. What's the text say? Because I wanted to test you, to see what was in your heart so that when you became hungry and needy enough, you would be convinced that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Translation, you would recognize that he is the thing of greatest value and you need nothing else in this world but God himself. That's what the text is teaching. We're starting to get a glimpse of then why would God be okay putting us in those places of need and desperation and desert and temptation and attack so that we would be convinced, I know what's in my heart and I do not live on bread alone. This world is not my home, but God is everything that I need. Apparently it's part of God's plan, this attack and temptation. Second thought I had with regard to this. Tempting and testing are two sides of the same coin. You heard the word test in the scripture that I read there from um, the Old Testament. Tempting and testing are two sides of the same coin. It's the same word in the Greek. And we use the context to figure out how to help us express what it is we're really talking about. So when the devil is tempting us and God is putting us through testing, it's actually the same thing is going on. Isn't that kind of wild? It's the same word. Tempting is, is, is when it's used of enticing one to do evil. That's what the devil does. The devil comes and tempts us to do something sinful, something evil, something against the plan of God. We know that verses like uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Be alert, sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. There's this, this the, the job of Satan as he's been set free near the end of our time here on earth is that he's out there, he is tempting, he's attacking, and he's like a roaring lion on the prowl. That's the tempting that happens in our lives. And none of us have been alive or alert at all in our world if we don't get that like, man, dude, that happens to me every single day. He's out there trying to take us out. That's the war. He's out there trying to take us out. Now that theme is going to come into play at the end of next week's sermon, Lord willing, but I'll be a different human by then because God's at work in my life, so I don't know what I'll get to. But he wants to take us out. He wants to take us out of our ministry. He wants to take us out of our purity. He wants to take us out of hope. He wants to take us out even of our life itself. Anybody who's ever struggled with depression and worse, the thought that life, ending their life might be a better outcome than the pain that they're in knows the despair that can come 
when we get tempted and attacked to the degree that it isn't maybe even worth living. The enemy wants to take us out. And he takes us out of all the significant things in our life. That's what he's attempting to do. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, looking, looking for how to devour us. We're enticed to sin. That's what temptation is. So to say that God's okay with it, he's not okay with that part, he's not okay with us sinning, and he's not okay with us failing, and there's hope in that message because he wouldn't give it to us if he couldn't protect us from failing in it. Right, church? Do you hear that? But man, it's a war at the same time. So tempting is about being enticed to evil. Just as a quick pause. In your head, identify right now. I mean, I know what that's about. Where do you get tempted? Where you think, there it is. That's the enemy. Coming at me, wanting to take me out. I'm not living for the Lord then. I'm not the man of God that I should be. The example that I should be. I'm not living life that smells like Jesus. I'm despairing even to the point of death, so I'm not contributing to God's kingdom. Where do you get taken out? Where does he come at you? That's spiritual attack. That is the enemy and his forces coming after you. That's what that is. Jesus was led by the Spirit. God somehow allowed this thing to go on, and apparently he's okay with that. But this testing and tempting are two sides of the same coin. So I talked about tempting is toward evil, but there's this, there's this testing part. And testing is the word, it's, it's because it can mean the same thing. I mean, it's the same word. It has this broad meaning. One of it could be to test to see the quality of some character. Like to test the strength of a metal, right? Or to test the character of one's heart. Or see, God has done a lot of testing in the scriptures. Look at this verse from Genesis 22, we know this. Sometime later, God, what did he say? Tested Abraham. God tested people all the time in the Scriptures. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Like that. That's how God tests. He calls your name. God call. Some of us are afraid that at 3 o'clock in the morning, we may hear God call our name. Because instinctively we know this deal that apparently God's okay with this testing and this tempting and this attacking and this spiritual challenge because we're at war. And some of us actually live our whole lives not wanting to even hear the Lord go, hey, Abraham, because we go, oh man, God's journey is radical. I kind of like my journey to Starbucks in Indonesia. So when we hear Abraham at three in the morning, we usually go, la, la, la. I didn't know Linda was going to share that example. But didn't that preach? Okay, Lord, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Speak for your servant is listening. Of course, there was some spiritual wrestling. Don't you know, God, that I need some sleep? A woman needs her beauty sleep. (laughs) Or my eyes will be puffy in the morning. (laughs) Some spiritual negotiating going on. And in this battle, where the stakes are this high, God speaks back to his servant and says, you don't tell me what you need. 
You need me. Because I know what battles your day holds tomorrow. You do not need sleep. Sleep is the least of your worries today. You need me. And Abraham being tested like Linda was tested, like all the saints have been tested, like Israel was tested, like Jesus was tested. My thesis this morning, like we will be tested and tempted. Every one of us, it's a spiritual testing, this journey that we're on. He says, Abraham, here I am, Lord, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there with a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. See, I knew it. I knew if I listened to God, that's what I would get. We're at war. This is scary, this thing. But that's the testing part. Abraham was tested. Israel was tested in the desert, as we read. Look at Jesus tests Philip. Look at John chapter 6. When Jesus looked and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, this was the feeding of the four, uh, either the, the four or the 5,000. I can't remember which now that I think about it. Sorry. And he came to Philip and he said, where can we buy bread for all these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Do you feel like sometimes your Christianity is like you're in like a pop quiz with Jesus? I got a question, Jesus says. How are you going to get through this situation at work? Already having in mind what he was going to do, but he said this to test the quality of, of your metal, to test the character of your heart, to find out what was in there. I think Jesus did that a lot. What's happening here? Apparently God's okay with this idea of temptation. Tempting and testing are two sides of the same coin, and God's doing something in testing us. And this third point is sort of doesn't probably need to be said. You can see it. God uses and brings good out of the adversary's evil motive. So while you got testing and tempting as the two sides of the same coin, and while the enemy thought that he was going to get in there and take Jesus out, God said, no, you want to tempt them to evil, I will use it as a testing to see what's really in their heart, to solidify what's in their heart, and I'm going to have victory in that. Satan thought it was for evil, and God was going to make it for good. Does that sound familiar? That's right out of Joseph's story. We know that. We quote it. It's in Genesis 50. The brothers come. They sold Joseph into slavery, and so they finally come and realize what they had done. They throw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And you know this verse right here. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish What has now been happening, the saving of many lives, God takes the evil motivations of people and the devil himself and says, let me use that to test you and I will use it for good and many people are going to get saved. Come on now, that'll preach. So we go, God's abandoned me. And he goes, I'm testing you to let you know where you're at, to get you hungry, to get you in a place of need, to, let, to get you to a place where you go, all I need is you, God. And he goes, right, now let's go save some lives. That's what's going on in the temptation of Jesus. He uses it to bring good out of these things. He uses it to show us what's in our hearts. why Job, God, we hate Job. We hate that story. 
Job says in chapter 3, it's the same thing all of us have thought 15 times so far in my sermon. Job chapter 3 says, the thing that I feared has happened. That if I gave my life to God, He would call my name and I would sacrifice something or I'd be in a war or I'd take a hit or I'd be open to the devil's attacks. The thing I feared, and many of us lay in bed at night and we think of other people's stories and we think of the biblical stories and we think, that hasn't happened to me yet. Oh God. I I couldn't handle that. Or we lay in bed and we think about our life story and we think, I'm barely surviving this God. But don't take that. And Job says, the very thing that I feared has happened. But in the testing of Job's heart, after Satan had done a number on him, apparently with the freedom of God, Job said, naked I came. Naked I'm going to return. The Lord gives The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a spiritual journey very few of us want to walk. But my friends, that is the journey you are on. Naked you came, and naked you will return. And the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and apparently the Lord allows you to be tempted, and apparently the Lord allows you to be attacked. And he will use for good and for his glory and for your good, ultimately, those things. But this is a war. And it's not always pretty. And it is always difficult on some level. Whatever the source, my fourth point is, it can reveal and it can develop us. Whatever the source, it will reveal and it will develop. If it's Satan, it will reveal where we really are and it will grow us. If it's God, it will reveal where we are and it will grow us. You remember the Deuteronomy text? Remember the Lord led you all the way through that wilderness for 40 years to humble you and to test you. Why? In order to know what was in your hearts, whether you would keep his commands. God wanted to reveal what was in the hearts of Israel. He was looking to reveal what was in the heart of Jesus to be solidified or not in the thing that God had called him to. What's in your heart? And it's not to reveal because God needs to know. I want to see what's in Art's heart. Let me throw this his way. He knows. So it has to be that he wants to reveal it so that you would see it. And you would have a clear choice to say, my God, my life is yours and I want none of the sin and none of the brokenness and none of the incompleteness and none of the immaturity. I want you. Look what you've showed is in my heart, God. I repent of that. And I call you to do the work you've got to do in my life. You see what that's about? It reveals and then it grows us. Well, there's more that can be said about all this. I'm out of time. We'll pick it up next week. That's cool. Although, pray for me because my sense is I'm going to get walloped this week. <laughs> Any of you thinking that already? Oh, dude, he had to preach it. That's scary. What's going on in this whole thing? God wants to purify us. Wants us to serve him more with all of our lives, further and deeper. 
And spiritual attack and temptation actually serves that end, not the opposite. So the only inappropriate response, did you hear that? Did you hear that last point? Do I need to go back? Spiritual attack and temptation is part of the journey and it actually serves for God to reveal and grow us more and further and deeper to who we're supposed to be for the kingdom of God, not less. We think it's less. And we think as we're getting walloped that we're less effective for God. And the only two inappropriate responses to this whole thing is for us to either say, the devil's not real. I know a lot of us are like, what do I believe about the devil and the whole spiritual thing? Because it's way easier to think that's a little Halloween costume. Because that'll help you sleep better at night, maybe. But Scripture doesn't give us that option, my friends. He's not God's evil twin. For he that is in us, Jesus Christ and his spirit, is greater than he that is in the world. But he is a force of evil, and his demons have the opportunity to tempt and test us. So, two inappropriate responses. One, we go, he's not real. Or, he doesn't mess with me. He messes with the pastors. And so then we lack the discernment of what might really be happening in our lives. And we do not put the label on it, that's probably spiritual attack that needs to be fought spiritually. We end up saying things like, well, I guess this relationship's bound to fail. Well, I guess I just have this thing in my life. Well, I guess I'll never get that growth that I'm looking for. We just settle when we should be at war. We'll talk more about that next week. But to think, nah, I don't even know the devil even cares or knows where I am. My friends, he knows where you are, and he's trying to take you out. Open our eyes. That's one inappropriate response. The, last, the second inappropriate response is we grow to resent God because we didn't sign up for this. I thought he was given abundant life. And I got attack and temptation at every turn. And so we grow to resent God and we bail out of the journey. We bail out of the spiritual war as opposed to engaging in it because God has growth and maturity and glory in it, not apart from it. And so we don't get to see any of the benefits. We see all of the attack and we bail out of the healing and the growth and the glory. We can't bail out, friends. You're in the war now, you can't bail out. And I got to give this piece of encouragement to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to all people. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. We're in the battle, and he is faithful to be victorious. Let's go fight it together. We'll talk more next week about that. Stand and receive this blessing. I'll send you out, friends, into the war today. Sobered, clear-minded, self-controlled, I pray. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We go in the knowledge and the victory of our Savior, Jesus, whose spirit is in you, who is greater than he that is in the world. Go and fight the good fight. For the kingdom of God is at hand. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. Go in peace. Amen.